Listener Production. US stocks exhale with some relief following the Jackson Hole address by Jerome Powell. And Aussie shares expected to begin the week higher with Fortescue Metals and retail spending figures in focus. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Monday the 28th of August. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. Ryan, young people have the big day out. Central bankers have the Jackson Hole Symposium. If there was a uh, performer that you would liken Jerome Powell to, I think he's probably more of a Tony Bennett character. I think that's an apt description, yes. Not quite John Wayne. (laughs) Well, he's certainly uh, no JK from Jamiroquai, but nonetheless, it was a very important day on Friday. And if without drilling into it and just, you know, approaching it from a purist perspective, prices seem to be quite well contained under the circumstances. So we had stocks finish higher. Uh, the Dow Jones and the S&P 500 each improved by around 0.7 of a percent. The Nasdaq, uh, importantly, up 0.9 of a percent. And we had a reasonably well-behaved bond market under the circumstances. You better qualify this for the fact that this um, had the uh, opportunity to, to be quite the catalyst uh, under the circumstances to see a 10-year Treasury note uh, finish fairly flat at 4.23%. Two years did bump a little bit higher, but you would expect that. You know, We'll contextualise that in a moment, but two years up six basis points to 5.08%. No grazers, no broken teeth, no visits to casualty. I think we saw in equity markets optimism really fueled by Powell's continued confidence around the US economic recovery in terms of the fact that he saw especially robust consumer spending and the housing market is kind of where the recovery is taking place at the moment on the back of 500 basis points worth of rate hikes. So I think that that conversation around the continued resilience in the US economy provided markets with some optimism. But the other thing to note as well is that it's clear the Fed is nearing the end of its rate hiking cycle. So Powell signalled that interest rates will stay high and could rise even further should the economy and inflation fail to cool. But he also stressed that the Fed's inflation-fighting job isn't done, while noting that there has been progress as far as inflation is concerned. But importantly, he added that the central bank will proceed carefully, leaving room for the Fed to hold rates steady at its next meeting in September. So what this all means is the US Federal Reserve is currently managing risks. He said that we are navigating by the stars under cloudy skies. Clearly, they're managing risks amid uncertainty around the impact of their 500 basis points with the rate hikes. We have seen the labour market remain fairly resilient and strong. Monetary policy will remain restrictive. He's still clear of telling investors that there'll be rate cuts next year, which could stoke further growth. So really, there's a lot of uncertainties at the moment, but clearly the share market took it as a positive that we may only have one or two more rate hikes, but the end is near. Look, let's again try and reduce it to some nuts and bolts because there's a lot that you can extract out of this and you can certainly drive yourself to uh, drink if you focus on some of the themes that were extracted. Like the um, chief economist at the IMF spoke about having no bullets left in the chamber in relation to you know the debt profiles of developed companies that countries rather that if another event comes out of left field, uh, we're fighting it in a street fight barehanded, maybe with a sharpened stick as opposed to, you know, the uh, Gatling gun that we had previously when it came to the pandemic. Well, interesting quote, given that Vladimir Putin's been running around lately and obviously 
the worry about high food and energy prices is, is a key concern at the moment. And he has the capacity certainly to interrupt the momentum or the, the, the improvement in the inflation story. In terms of uh, what we knew before Jackson Hole, Ryan, in terms of what we know now, has the thinking shifted dramatically? I, I would put it to you that it hasn't. No. Um, what it has basically highlighted that they are still sort of navigating, you know, in the dark a little bit, um, and they're trying to put on a brave face. But the reality is, if inflation rears its head, rates are going up. That's the bottom line. That is the bottom line. So they're in risk management mode. Yep. They're watching all the economic data. The inflation data is the key one there. It doesn't look like we're going to get a rate hike in September, but we may get one later in the year. So. The main thing to look at here is what happens with bond yields, because if they continue to lift, we have a tightening of financial conditions, the cost of capital goes up, and that's going to be a real tightener on the economy and consumers and businesses in particular. I thought that Christine Lagarde, she spoke at length as well. Her speech probably didn't get as much play as Mr. Powell's for obvious reasons. Well, probably not that obvious, to be frank. The European view is important as always, but she said there's no pre-existing playbook for the situation that we are facing today. So our task is to draw up a new one. I don't know about you, Ryan. I don't like it when new playbooks are being drawn up. When it comes to risk, I'd prefer to be sort of, you know, sitting in a comfortable armchair whilst that process is going on rather than being in the, um, you know, cut and thrust of the fight. What do you think? Well, it is odd that it appears that the European Central Bank chief doesn't have a plan. So I took the comments really from European Central Bank Governing Council member Joachim Nagel at face value. He's the Bundesbank chief and you always listen to the Germans, they're straight talkers. He's not convinced inflation is under control enough for a halt in interest rate hikes with his decision hinging on additional data in the coming weeks, which is broadly in line with what Jerome Powell's saying. So I would listen to him ahead of Christine Lagarde. So just quickly across the Atlantic in Europe, the performance of European markets under the circumstances was fairly contained as it was on Wall Street. The French market was up by around 0.2%. German market just in positive territory with a gain of 10 points. The uh, UK market was up by about five points. So again, just in positive territory. The broader performance measure in Europe, the stock 600 was just in negative territory. There was a bit of a focus on Friday on the German economy. So Germany's economy stagnated in the June quarter compared with the previous three months. That followed a winter recession. So what it does suggest that high interest rates and high prices, and of course, worries about China's economic situation are weighing on Europe's biggest economy. We did see weak new orders as the main reason for pessimism in the latest IFO business climate index. It stood at 85.7 in August, down from 87.4 in July. And that suggests that people in Germany are quite pessimistic at the moment. And certainly the European economy is in a bit of a ropey position. But what we did also see, Tom, was some interesting developments in the watch market. You're a bit of a purveyor of fine watches, aren't you? Oh, not really. Um, Mainly... Just functional timepieces, Ryan. You know that you're into swatch, are you? No, I'm just interested. I've actually got a very uh, modestly priced device that tells me what the time is, and I'm not sort of compromising my financial conditions by spending ludicrous amounts of money on. You're keeping it real, the Kuma guy, as as the kids say. We did see watches of Switzerland slide twenty point nine percent after Rolex's purchase of retailer Butchera. And shares of the London listed luxury retailer slumped 
after Rolex, one of the major suppliers, bought Swiss store chain Butcher for an undisclosed sum. Investors fear that Rolex might start selling through its own shops and that the watches of Switzerland are the home of Rolex, Piquet and Cartier watches. As far as the local market's concerned today, Ryan, the import of Asian markets is that they will be responding to a lot of other comments that were made over the weekend following the Powell speech and it'll be interesting to see to what extent they get distilled into prices. So worth keeping an eye out on uh, Aussie bonds in early trade for Asian markets and see how that uh, narrative develops over the course of the day heading into Europe, of course, and um, also looking at the way that the stock side of things shapes up because we had a very challenging session on Friday with the market down by around 0.9 of a percent. The futures are indicating that we'll kick off with an improvement of a quarter of a percent, but it's the durability of that gain that's in question. For me, we are quite close to that 7,100, 7,000 level in the ASX 200. The market has sort of bungeed down there a couple of times in recent days. We need to sort of have some faith that that's shaping up as some sort of a support level and it'll get tested this week. It certainly will, and that'll start today with the Chinese industrial profits data that came out yesterday. Wasn't as bad as... um, Wasn't as bad as expected. We saw profits contract by 5.7% year-on-year in July, so no great surprise there, but it's still the fourth consecutive month or so where we have seen those profits continue to decline, suggesting that China's economy is still under pressure. But the big... Notable change over the weekend was in commodity markets where we saw the US oil NYMEX price up by 1% to 79.83 US dollars a barrel. That move did mask a bigger move as far as diesel futures were concerned. They surged to a seven-month high in New York and we, we, we saw gasoline futures jump 4%. So what we did see was Marathon Petroleum Company said it was shutting the third largest US oil refinery following a blaze at its storage tank in Mississippi. That's never great when that happens. It can take a long time for those facilities to come back online. So, yes, those supply disruptions. The Garyville refinery for Marathon Petroleum, it produces about 265,000 barrels a day of gasoline. It represents about 3% of total US consumption. So this is occurring at a time where US demand for fuel is set to rise going into the harvest and heating seasons, particularly in the south of the United States. So, But just to balance that out, the pulse that we've seen out of China lately has been quite the headwind for oil prices, and arguably that's been one of the factors that has been putting downward pressure on energy prices in recent weeks. And in weekly terms, oil was down last week to the tune of about um, close to 2% in, if, at the top of my Yeah, head. the NYMEX was down 1.7%. So you're right. Chinese demand concerns have been weighing on crude in the last week, but we did see US energy firms cut the number of active oil rigs for a ninth straight month. So that suggests that those energy producers are hunkering down a little bit at the moment in terms of their production. So energy producers in Australia today could be up a little bit. We saw iron ore futures up 0.4% to 108.21 US dollars a tonne. So we are continuing to see a lift in iron ore prices ahead of the building season in China. And that leads into a nice segue around Fortescue Metals, who are releasing earnings today, Tom. So, it's the- quite yeah, it's quite the cavalcade of companies reporting results this week. It's the final flourish of the reporting season. Where's the friction point here for for Fortescue? I suppose it's going to, obviously the cost side of things, but they do a very good job in terms of managing costs. The demand picture for 
their iron ore in their markets, they tend to produce a lower grade of iron ore for the SKU. At the time when the Chinese buyer at the margin has the choice to go for a higher quality product, this will be interesting, I suppose. Absolutely. It's likely to report declines in annual profit and dividends on Monday, and that would mirror results posted by peers Rio Tinto and BHP amid China's property woes. Inflationary pressures, as you mentioned, will be in focus after analysts said elevated costs overshadowed a solid fourth quarter production report last month. So those rising costs could drag on operating margins that could affect revenue. We have seen iron ore's price decline up until recently. The dividend per share will probably shrink on lower earnings. And that's been a feature so far of the reporting season for the miners. So net income's estimated to come in at $5.57 billion, dividend per share $1.91 or $1.91. And that would put the price earnings ratio at 7 and grossed up dividend yield at a whopping 13%. So we're expecting a big focus on those C1 costs of production. They're expected to come in at $19.26 per wet metric tonne, and that's in US dollars, Tom. Indeed. Uh, Levisa is a stock that you're quite fond of, Ryan. I know you used to talk to Koshi about that quite a lot. Yes, yes. The jewellery maker, the, the fast fashion jewellery maker. Yeah. Or, or uh, retailer, I should say. I don't know. Like if you turned up with a Levisa product for your wife, how do you reckon you'd go with that um, conversation? I, she'd probably give it to one of my three daughters. <laughs> yeah, and then probably think dimly of you. That's true. And speaking of retail sales, we've got an update today here in Australia for the month of July. Retail spending is expected to lift by just 0.4% after we did see a contraction, a 0.8% contraction in May, and we did see a lift of 0.8% in June. So a bit of volatility around those numbers at the moment, Tom. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, consumer discretionary actually did quite well in weekly terms as a group uh, on the ASX, as far as the ASX sectors were concerned. Financials and, and miners also, under the circumstances, did reasonably well last week. So that is kind of encouraging at the margins, We've got so much to get through this week, and those CPI figures later on in the week are so important. Uh, that is really where the turning point can come. We've gotten a pass on wages and labour figures most recently. Whether or not that pass continues to uh, have some credit uh, really will come down to the July inflation figures that we see on Wednesday. Well, Commonwealth Bank economists are forecasting a lift of the monthly consumer price indicator in Australia of just 0.1% in the month of July. And the headline year-on-year rate would come down to 4.7%. So that would be fairly consistent with what's going on in developed markets around the world. So uh, we think that it's likely that the Reserve Bank will be pausing or at least on hold again in September. So quite an important week for uh, those important inputs that you need when you are navigating by the stars under cloud cover as jerome powell said thank you very much for tuning in this morning have a great monday look forward to the journey this week with you have a good day this podcast is prepared approved and distributed in australia by commonwealth securities limited abn 60067254399 afsl 238814 The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.